Do you wish there was someone you could talk to openly about money? Someone who could talk to you like a Jewish woman, understanding what your values are and your desire to build a rich life without you needing to apologize or compromise? Someone who could be upfront with you about the Jewish way to build wealth? Then I've got a surprise for you. It's the I'm Ready five-day retreat with me, Yael Trush. During your five days together with me, you will discover the Jewish money secrets that will make you richer. Yes, you heard that right. I've been looking forward to hosting this retreat in English for a very long time, and it's finally here for all of you. It's going to be so deep and so much fun. Head over to yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat to register for an epic five-day experience. I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you really ready to discover the Jewish money secrets that will make you richer? Then head over to yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat to register. Jewish Money Matters, episode 217, Rebetzin Batchen Grossman, marriage advisor and coach. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. What happens if you're a woman who's climbing the ranks of your career or business, and a gap is widening between you and your husband? Well, one option for many is divorce. My guest says there's a much better way. There's a way to have both marriage and business success as a woman. Today, I have Rebetzin Badchen Grossman, marriage advisor and coach and creator of the Calm Method, which she tells us about today. Daughter of the rabbi, married to the rabbi, becomes the breadwinner and quite a good one at that. She thought that's what she wanted until she realized the money and success brought her tremendous guilt and tremendous inner conflict. This actually primed her to leave a thriving business in graphic design and grow her marriage coaching business for women in business, those much like herself. The layers of limiting beliefs she had to walk, work through as she transitioned from graphic designer to marriage coach. Rabbit said Manchet Grossman realized like many in business that she'd been running away from her real calling for a very long time. She talks about the role of prayer in her business transformation and growth, the God baggage that we collect that is hurting us in business and in marriage, her earliest money memories, how her relationship with her husband and her money have evolved and much more with the super wise Rebetzin Badchen Grossman. Rebetzin Barchen Grossman, welcome to Jewish Money Matter. So good to have you here all the way from the land of Israel. How are you? Baruch Hashem, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have this conversation. You are a marriage coach specifically for women in business. And we'll get to that in, in a few moments. I know that you say you help women connect to their husbands on a deeper level. I guess specifically entrepreneurial women, women who are in business. Maybe we should actually start there. What brought you to that field, to that particular niche? 
And because I know you were for many years a graphic designer, so there's been a pivot into a very, very niche market. So take us through the journey. Okay. So I was a graphic designer for 15 years. And as a graphic designer, uh, I, I should say I also, I married a rabbi and he was growing his you know, learning and studies and research, but it wasn't the same because, you know, I was running my own business and networking and getting really big. When you say rabbi, when you say rabbi, I want to clarify for listeners, because often the term rabbi denotes pulpit rabbinical positions. And many people don't understand, don't know that you could be a rabbi and, you know, just have a title like a title doctor and still be a rabbi engineer, a rabbi businessman, a rabbi doctor. So just clarify for listeners, what listeners, what did you mean by I married a rabbi? Okay, so really, I married a guy who was learning to be a rabbi. <laughs> and because I'm a daughter of a rabbi, for me, that was really important. For so, me, it but just again, that... I just want to clarify, because it's not obvious to listeners, okay. you mean in, the definition of rabbi in this context of your husband and your father means pulpit positions, like community leader. So yes, my father is definitely pulpit position, community leader, principal and teacher and all of that great stuff. He's also, you know, uh, circumcisions and, and, you know, anything that has to do with Jewish life. Mm -hmm. And then I grew up as the daughter of the rabbi. And for me, that was really big and very big part of my life. And when it came time to marry, you know, for me, I wanted a rabbi. I wanted a guy who was going to be living, breathing Torah. Mm -hmm. You know, really, that was really important for me. And the rabbi I married is was trained to be a pulpit rabbi. And we were a little bit here and there uh, in the beginning of our marriage. We did do a lot of that. His specialty is in research. Mm -hmm. And he is that person that rabbis call to find the sources for things or to ask bigger questions, to hear what is the holistic approach about something or to get real clear on historic, you know, sources. There's there's a lot. He's like a maven. He really knows his stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, of things that he knows that people really are able to tap into. Mm -hmm. So he he writes books and articles, has a blog, whatever. He has his things that he does. And and as part of living this life, I really wanted to support that lifestyle. I wanted him to really have the peace of mind to be able to sit and study and get really, really deep in it. And so I started getting really good, really good at being a graphic designer. And so I'd go to networking events and I would go to, you know, all these different meetings and I had clients in Tel Aviv, which is like the big city. <laughs> and, um, uh, and in America, of course, I was working on Fifth Avenue and I was doing all sorts of things with China and with Walmart and Target, all these different great, great adventures that I went through and I had. And I felt like every time I'd come home from these big things, I'd have to lower my volume before I walked in the door because it felt like it was conflicting. Like, how could I be all like important and cool and everybody wants to hear my opinion and then come home and feel I, I felt guilty. Like he's just a rabbi. Like he's not going up in the world. There is nowhere to go. Right. It's like this, it's a very different vibe. That whole, you know, I guess the world he's in mm -hmm. is not about money. It's not about achievements or whatever. So it was very interesting that feeling that I had that I felt bad. I was making too much money or I felt bad that I was too successful. I was, I was feeling 
uncomfortable with how happy I was being important. And, you know, people wanted to know what I thought and which color we should do and what, you know, what approach we should take with the marketing or whatever. And I kept feeling this conflict between my success and my marriage. Mm. And eventually I, I started talking to him about it because my marriage is my number one priority. And I did not want to take it. I, I didn't want it to take a toll on my business, but I didn't want my business to take a toll on my marriage. And I was feeling really stuck. And I, I really didn't know who to turn to or anything. I didn't realize that it was such a big deal at the time because you're sort of in it. So you don't realize. When, when you're talking- in it, when you're in it, are you feeling like it's just coming from your your own inner doing? Um, the the conflict is just coming from within, or are you feeling like in the marriage there's also some sort of like reaction in the dynamic? Is your husband maybe is is it playing out on the dynamic, or is it more he's totally fine? You're the breadwinner; it's all good with him. He's doing what he loves. Um, but you're having an inner conflict, or was there already a conflict that is manifesting in the marriage? That's a really good question. I don't think there was a real conflict manifesting in the marriage. Like I wouldn't say we were in a bad place or we were fighting or something. It wasn't like a big deal. We were still, you know, nice to each other in love, whatever, like good things were good. But, you know, now looking back, of course, it was all in my head. But then if you would ask me whose fault it is, it's like, of course, it's his fault. He's holding me back from success because it's his fault that I can't go and be more successful. It's Mm. his fault that he's pulling me, you know, holding me back and pulling me back and making me feel small. And I can't grow because then there's like this, like, you know, I don't know what ego thing. And I have to walk with you know, walk on eggshells because I don't want to hurt his feelings. So there was a lot of that. And I was blaming it on him. Mm. Um, now as a coach and as an adult, I could tell you like it's, I took responsibility and I cleaned up my side and I was really amazing to see that it really wasn't him because as soon as I cleaned up my side, everything was fine. Like he's happy. And when I asked him, I said, I feel really bad and I feel guilty that I'm successful and you're not. Of course, he's successful, but not in those terms, right? Mm. And how do you define success anyway? But that's a different whole thing. He said, what are you talking about? I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for us. Like, it's, if not for you, then what would I be? And da, da, da. Like, he was really supportive. And when I opened it up to him and finally was willing to say, like, I am really struggling inside myself with what's going on. It was like, Why? I'm happy for you. I think you're doing great. I think you're awesome. So it was definitely in my head. Would I say that then? No, I was not there at all. Do you, that is really amazing. Do you think the inner struggle came from maybe modeling or lack of modeling or lack of having this model in your life? Like, like what is it that conditions us or you in your estimation to have this inner conflict um, and not allow, it seems like you were almost self-sabotaging your own growth, even though a part of you felt like this is the, this is, I want him to have this freedom. I want to have this on me so that because anyway, I love what I do. And I I want to keep getting paid majorly for what I do so that he can do what he does. Yet there was that tension within you. Where does that come from? Do you think? Oh, that's such a good question. I could blame it on a lot of things. (laughs) I think, you know, first of all, growing up as a rabbi's daughter, my mother was a teacher. So we weren't making big money. And we were always, you know, getting the discounts and getting the scholarships. And, you know, I I always, this is one of my 
biggest memories is like, if the teacher says that there's a scholarship, then right away, go and tell her you need it. Like, Mm. you know, that was just a given. And it wasn't because we were poor. It was just because we, we fit under the category of, you know, the educators in the community. So it made sense. That was a huge mindset, like money mindset thing I had to get over because, uh, it just, you know, it's so comfortable to be getting help all the time. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like, okay, it's coming to me. So I should take it. Right. Um, I had, I had to do a lot of inner work, but I think that it came from, it came from a lot of things. Also being called Reviton took a really big, you know, a really big challenge for me to actually come to peace with it because all the Revitons I knew, first of all, were old <laughs> and I didn't want to consider myself old, <laughs> um, which is funny because when my daughter heard that, she's like, Ima, don't worry, you are old. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was one thing. But really, Revitons didn't get paid. Revitons did it for free. It was their job description. There wasn't such a thing as a paid Reviton. And so I was really struggling in the beginning of this transition from graphic designer to marriage coach. I'm like, wow, I'm actually going to be that Reviton that charges and who does that? And like, Mm. what are people going to say about me and all that stuff? So there was a lot of behind the scenes baggage stuff that I'm sure had to do with it. So there's a layer here of the, not just um, the Reviton who has a business as a graphic designer. So I'm out in the workforce. That's one already one unconventional thing I'm doing, but then you add the, now I'm going to really break the norm even further by doing something that is of service to, let's say, my community and my type of people, but it's going to be in the context of a business. I'm charging for that. Is that what I'm understanding? And so there's there's even a, a deeper conflict here. Right. So I'm really grateful that I was a graphic designer because I learned so much and I grew so much and I I experience the things I needed to experience in order to get to the next level. But when I finally broke through to changing completely over to becoming a Reviton and a coach and specifically marriage uh, and specifically for women in business, because that's who I was. And those are the, the things I had to deal with. I realized how much I was running away from it mm-hmm. by hiding behind the graphic design, because a lot of the work I was doing as a graphic designer was really advising people and making peace within the business owners. And, you know, there was a husband and the wife and the wife was taking his turn, you know, the this son's side and this guy was everybody was like family businesses and there was so much stress within the business that really as a graphic designer I just got to be on the side and be like okay everyone let's listen to everybody's thing and let's hear what everybody wants so I was doing a lot of peace and a lot of that type of thing and I was just hiding behind my graphic designer because I wasn't confident enough that I could just be that like I didn't even think it was possible to just be the advisor without having to be something else, like finding a an excuse to be paid. That was really it, you know, because I, I knew no Revitons who got paid for being Revitons. I had to find an actual job that I could use as, as a tool to get to people. Mm-hmm. And when I finally freed myself from that, Oh, it felt so good, but it was so hard. It was a lot of work. And I hired a coach and I worked for six months with her to really build my business on like good ground and not on that, all those shaky mindset things that I had. And it was so worth it. It was so worth it. It was one of the biggest. 
I, I could totally see how liberating this can be. Now, back to that, those moments where you're maybe feeling um, disenamored with graphic design or something is irking you that perhaps there's just something else I need to be doing. Take us really there because you could have just stayed as a graphic designer and chosen to scale that and, you know, to grow that if, if, if you know, there must have been something that pulled you and said, no, 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 I'm actually going to leave this part of my life and I'm going to start from scratch and something else and then scale that other thing. So what what was it? Okay, so I, I grew in my graphic design. I got to the point where we're both working really well together. My husband's supporting me and I'm doing really well and everybody's happy. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like I can actually, you can actually have both. Mm. I was really, really proud of getting to that point because of how much frustration there was before that point. And I saw that transition. I was like, wow, that's amazing. But I didn't really do anything about it. And then of course I got pregnant with my number six. Um, and that pregnancy was huge in the effects that it had on me, just because I guess the hormones, the attention that I, that I was, I was more attentive to what was going on inside me. I guess I was just in a better place and I started getting really connected. Um, I took upon myself to start praying every day. Mm. That was one thing that I wanted to do as a preventative measure for not falling into depression because a lot of people were saying how the more kids you have, the more you have to be careful because you don't even think it's going to come and then it's going to catch you and you're going to feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So have something to ground you. And I was like, you know what? I'm a prepared type of person. I like preparing for things. So why not? And I decided that I've been trying so hard so many years to pray consistently. And I didn't believe that I was a consistent person. Um, I always tried and failed and started and stopped and, you know, ups and downs. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to make this stick. Mm-hmm. And that was my project for the pregnancy was how to make this stick. And I listened to podcasts and I started hearing what people had to say about all sorts of things, the graphic design and the business and you know, just in general, lots of great podcasts. I think that's how I met you. I mean, I met your podcast, not years ago. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so I'm listening to these podcasts and I'm listening to these things and I'm, you know, taking these quizzes and doing these things. Like I'm just open to whatever and I'm praying really. So that's the thing. The thing I took upon myself was stand in prayer Mm. once a day. That was all. It was either in the morning or in the afternoon. It was whenever I just needed to stand, you know, for Shimon Esrei one time a day. That was the goal. (laughs) It wasn't a very big goal. It had to happen. And I started tracking it. I have a whole video of how I tracked it. It's so cute, little boxes. And I I started seeing that even though I start and stop and start and stop, at the end of the month, I have black and white, black and white, black, black, white, white, black, white. And they start, start sort of taking a shape. It's starting to get really great. But the side effect of actually succeeding in this, which was in itself a huge thing to finally be consistent. And I could, you know, proudly say that I'm still keeping to it. And I added more to it now that I'm comfortable with it. The side effect was I was talking to God every single day. Mm. I was standing there saying, what do you want? I'm getting that you want something. I am here. I'm listening. I have no idea what you want. Obviously, I want what you want because you know best. But if you don't tell me what you want, then I don't know what I want. And then we're both really stuck. So Mm. show me. And that day that I said, show me, three people came to ask me for advice. Wow. 
one guy knocked on the door, said, I'm at the park with my kids. Can we use the bathroom? And by the way, can I ask you about this and that, whatever? And then a friend called me on the phone from out of nowhere. And that night, someone showed up in my house with her iPad. And she said, hold my iPad for me because my husband just broke my phone and I don't want him to find my iPad to to break it. And then I realized, okay, God, I get it. (laughs) You want me to give advice. Mm. What exactly do you want me to do this and how and what? So that was the first day of many days where people just started flocking to me. And it wasn't a new thing. Obviously, people know I give advice, right? Obviously, I was that person since I was little. Mm. But I was finally realizing that's what he wants me to do. Mm-hmm. And so I started being more attentive and giving more advice and getting more exact about how I give my advice and what I do. And all this was for free until I finally hit that tipping point where I was willing to charge. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I can't charge. I can't charge. And finally, I charged charged 200 shekels, which is nothing. It's like 50 bucks. One friend who was like, I am not taking your advice unless you take my money. It's like, fine. And she's a really friend, by the way, anybody who has a friend like that or wants to be a friend like that, that is the nicest thing you could do for someone is push them over the edge. I gave her advice and she actually did what I said because she was so invested in it. And those 200 shekels went up to 300 shekels. And then I had people coming and asking me advice and it was starting to get more and more marriage related. So when I finally decided to jump in and hire a coach to deal with all the mindset stuff, she said to me, you need to niche. And I was like, but I can help anyone with everything, right? (laughs) And then I heard myself say that. And of course, I'm a graphic designer. And all I did my whole life was tell people, you can help everyone with everything, but what do you love to do? And I heard myself being like, oh man, I know how to do this. I've done this for many people. I have to do it for myself. So I got really, really quiet about who do I actually want to help and how do I want to help? And I said, I want to help them with everything. And what is that one thing that's going to affect everything is marriage. Mm. Because when your marriage is something's quirky and off about it, everything else suffers. Everything, your parenting, your in-laws, your friends, your work, your money, your career, your everything stops. It's like, you know, that icky and when you fix that, suddenly everything starts to flow without touching anything. Right. And that was fascinating to me. Besides the fact that marriage was, you know, a huge thing I gave advice about, but just to know, to realize that I can use marriage in order to help everything else. I was very excited about that. So I niched and then I realized I don't just want to help anyone with marriage. I want to help the women who are in my situation. Mm. Because I realized that most of the problem that I had was that, you know, all of the marriage advice and the classes and the therapies and the whatever's all of the stuff that's that we hear all the time growing up and, you know, as married women was always very old fashioned. The guy's on top, he's the breadwinner and the woman is, you know, needs to create, uh, you know, grow herself and have a backbone and like boundaries and all this great stuff that we're told as, as women just sort of like sort of make ourselves even with the men. 
but the men are on top and the women are always at the bottom. That was very classic. And so all the advice is for that. And what happens when the woman's on top? So you empower her. She keeps going up and he's still stuck at the bottom and the gap is getting bigger. And the more she goes up and becomes empowered and empowered, empowered and empowered, then you get all these amazing empowered women who are getting divorced because Mm -hmm. they reached their whatever milestone or they outgrew their marriage or he's stuck behind or what's going on. And I was like, that is bad. Not only is it bad, but I was part of that. I was so empowered that I felt it in my marriage mm-hmm. and how much it took a toll on me. So I decided that was that was going to be, I was going to be that person who's going to talk to the women who are on top, the women who want, want their marriage to be first priority. They don't want to leave their husbands behind. They want them to join. But you know, like one person told me today, I coach everyone, but you can't coach your spouse. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have amazing women who have the answers, quote unquote, right? We have the answers. We know it all. And their husbands won't listen to them or, oh, the, my husband calls it that podcast language. You know, he, he doesn't get it. He doesn't want to get it. He's like in his own world. He's happy where he is. So I start telling him something about, is that true? He's like, don't give me that. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's not man language. It's not his thing. And he's not in that whole world. So we have those conflicts or, you know, little, uh, disalignments and they can blow up if you don't actually know what to do with them. Right, right. And if they keep we bury them under the rug, it it ends up being like you said, God forbid, and and divorce and all that. So this is fascinating. It's such an important um, niche to address. And it's so so real. In fact, I've had guests on the show who've said, um, from the get go, you should know that if if that's your aspiration, your marriage is doomed to fail, right? And here we're proposing, well, no. How about we take a different approach? How about we 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 change that paradigm and say, yes, there is a chance of failure based on historical evidence of how things have been. But how about we change that narrative and we create successful marriages, even when a woman is the breadwinner, or even when she's she and she's bringing more money than he is. So how does how do we bridge that gap? Like as you said, I was watching your hands, right? The gap gets wider and wider. How do we now now I'm here and I'm growing. How do I come into a place with my coach where I'm starting to bridge the gap and finding that unity, that connection in my marriage that whereas for a couple of years already, the distance has has grown. Okay, so first thing is, you know, like when you have an infection in your foot, so they say, well, we can either amputate the foot or you could live with the pain. And you're like, excuse me, you don't think it could heal, Mm -hmm. right? That's pretty much what people are doing with their marriage. It's Mm -hmm. like either you live with the pain or you get divorced. There's no other choice. It's like, no, first, 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 please just bring awareness to the fact that healing is an option and is a very viable option. And it's an amazing option because you won't have to do either. Mm -hmm. And specifically in women, you know, in that situation with women in business, you're in business really as an inner transformation. Yeah. Right. Like if you're in business just for the money, so fine, you know, do whatever it is for the money and forget about it. But you're in this for the inner transformation. You're in this to grow. You're loving what you do and you're here to change the world. Like really, really, this is amazing. And making your marriage part of that and creating, taking that inner transformation and really making it part of the whole where you're making your marriage a part of that transformation and and elevating your marriage is exactly what we're 
supposed to be doing, right? It feels so natural to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, from, from my perspective, when I'm, when I think about it that way, it's just like, of course you would do that, but nobody is talking about that option. Everybody, like you said, somebody even says straight out, oh, just forget about it. You have to choose, quote unquote. You don't have to choose. It's not fair to make you choose because marriage is such a huge, huge priority. It's the holiest thing, right? It's the center of the Jewish world. It's everything. It's my other half. What I should like amputate my leg just because it hurts, just because there's an infection, just because something is wrong or something feels out of alignment. No, I'm going to do whatever I can to fix it. So first things first, awareness that it can be done mm -hmm. and it should be done, right? Like that's the ideal. Ideal is to heal. Hey there, are you ready for a rich life? Join me January 10th through 14th in the I'm Ready Retreat, five free days to discover the Jewish money secrets that will make you richer with me, Yael Trush. Head over to yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat to register. I'm ready. Are you? Head over to yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat to register for the I'm Ready five-day retreat. So the, so the option when we say do whatever I can to to fix it is not give up your career, give up your dream, give up your ambition. Exactly. Right. So so then what Don't do we do? Don't give up. Here's the mm -hmm. thing. Whenever I tried giving up my career or my growth or my success, that's when I got really re resentful because it was his fault. And then I would take it out on him. My marriage was even worse. Mm -hmm. Definitely not the answer <laughs> mm -hmm. because it's going against, you know, counterintuitively, it's giving women more responsibility over themselves, quote unquote, mm -hmm. more empowerment, we're, we're bringing ourselves back to us, you know, take back all of that blame and shame and guilt and whatever, and like, really bring it back, take responsibility for my life, if I want this marriage to work, and if I want to be successful, then I need to do the inner work that it takes to make that happen. So it's getting really, really connected with yourself. And that's part of my the the calm method is the C is connect to yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to be so aware of what makes you happy and what you need in order to succeed and what support you would like and how you would like it. It's so, so clear, right? And we talk about this in, in entrepreneurship, right? Like if you talk to any business uh, coach, they would tell you, well, you have to put in systems and get to know what you want and, you know, put boundaries where you, you don't want it to overspill and blah, blah, blah. But it's the same with marriage. You have to know first what you want before you can ask him to support you. Mm -hmm. So C, the first C is the first letter of the calm method is connect to yourself. And for me, that's getting to know what makes you happy because we expect him to make us happy and we expect him to know he should know right? Mm -hmm. Like he should read my mind. He should have read the book or whatever. I don't know. Like we think that there is something out there that's telling him what to do, but there isn't, especially not because you're so unique. So he brings you flowers and you're like, oh, flowers, they die. Why would you buy flowers? 
And then, so he goes and brings you chocolate and you're like, Oh, don't you know I'm a diet? Like he's trying so hard. <laughs> he doesn't know. Just tell him what you like. Tell him what you want, please. <laughs> exactly. So he's not a mind reader. <laughs> he is not a mind reader and it frees them up when they know what you want. So the first thing I did was I told him, it's really hard for me to make suppers every night. I have no idea what I'm doing. I haven't been able to get this under control for years. Mm. So could you just take over food? And I just handed over the entire supper mess. I could do lunch. My kids could do breakfast. Like everybody makes their own thing. But supper was just so heavy on me. And it was weighing on my mind every single day. And when I delegated that and just let it go, he does it so well. He loves it. He feels needed. He feels loved, appreciated, whatever. Like we give him all the credit because he really does a good job. But I had to first really, really get clear on why I feel so guilty for delegating such a thing. Right. You know, how I feel like a bad mother if I don't make the supper and if it's not me that's doing it. And if I'm a failure for not figuring it out and all the meal planning and whatever, I tried everything. It didn't work Mm -hmm. for me. So first I had to connect to myself. I had to really hear what is it that I want. So that's, that's the first step. The second step is ask, ask for abundance. So ask from God, ask from your husband, ask from the people around you. You have to learn to ask, but you can only ask once you know what you want, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why connect to yourself is step one. Ask is only step two. And in my retreat, I talk about, uh, I do a virtual retreat. I talk about ask really, you know, from, from God, because we do a whole day of a whole day, like a whole hour on zoom on, um, on how to ask and the structure of asking and how do you really get clear on who it is you're asking and what it is you're asking. Hmm. I'm glad you you just uh, touched on this because I, I, I think that so many people get, again, it gets very nebulous, this whole asking, and, and then there's so much conflict. And um, I guess like, what is the word I'm looking for? It's hard for people to ask, even of God, as though, as though that that's not part of the relationship as though like, how could I be asking, especially if God forbid, I'm asking for more cleaning help or more money in the bank or, you know, another neighborhood or a cleaning lady, whatever, right? Especially if I'm asking for non- spiritual, which is obviously I use air quotes because there's no, no such thing, um, things. So, so take us there to that process of asking. I think this is very helpful for listeners. Yeah. So first thing is you just hit it over the head. There is a lot of God baggage that we collect along the way growing mm. up so much God baggage. This is too small to ask for who, you know, who am I? Does he really, you know, do you think that he really cares about your button? Right. That type Mm -hmm. of the story about Rebbe Nachman's uh, something, somebody, (laughs) some Rebbe um, didn't ask for a button because it was too small. And Rebbe Nachman told him, oh, I think it was Rebbe Nachman. And Rebbe Nachman told him, you now go and pray for that button because you need a new button. Um, we think it's too small. We think God is too busy. We think that God is supposed is just giving us more work and that if we ask for something, we're going to have to pay for it. We mm. think that, um, I don't know, we're meant to suffer. There's a huge one. We don't even realize how big that is, but it is huge how much we believe that we don't actually deserve to have that. So we don't mm. even ask for it because who am I to ask? And if I ask and if I get it, will I lose something else? Right. That oh, yeah, big. that's big. 
Ooh, there's so much baggage, so much. And it's if I ask this- for this, will it mean I'll lose my children or my marriage or my God exactly. forbid? Exactly. God-, God forbid. No, God forbid. no, you will not. You are loved and God wants us to enjoy this world, right? One of the things I do in my retreat is we do a guided meditation where I guide you through this whole thing and, you know, notice this and notice that and all the beautiful things in the world. And then it's like, if God wanted, he would have made it black and white. Like he really (laughs) did not have to add color in this world or taste or smell. Like all those things are free and they're for you to enjoy. Right. And it's because he wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to enjoy the things he gives us. So first you have to really just bring up all of that God baggage and realize that it's, that's what's stopping you from asking, really. Yeah. And then what were you asking about asking? Yeah, so the asking process. And, and so how so so do we get specific? Should we be very specific? Yes. You know, I was standing in prayer for a long time saying, God, give me abundance. God, give me abundance. God, give me abundance. And then one day I, <laughs> I like hit the, the table and I was like, God, I have been so mean to myself and to you. Like, what is this abundance thing? listen clearly, I really want to hit the six figures, right? Like Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. very specific, like all these people are hitting six figures. I know that I can hit six figures. I want you to guide me. I want you to show me, make this easy. I just, I can't be doing this like fluff theoretical stuff. Like I'm almost there, but I'm not, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just want you to show me, guide me and take me there. And then that day I, you know, some person sent me a message about something. Oh, look at this. And then I saw it and it was exactly the coach I needed. And I signed up for it. And, I, you know, it, it brought me to doing all these amazing things. Somebody told me in the park the other week, um, I was on Shabbos. She says, do you realize that last year you were pretty much a nobody <laughs> right? Like to her because she, does, she doesn't see what I do on, on, you know, on the internet. She's some Israeli, you know, mother, but she didn't know I was doing all of my Zooms and whatever. But now suddenly I'm walking around, I'm telling her about my clients, about this, about that. And she's like, do you realize what just happened in one mm-hmm. year? But yeah, that was the day that I prayed. Show me. Same thing. The second you get really specific. And you really come from a place of openness, like, I really want to know, ooh, then you got to be ready because it goes, <laughs> God is just like, finally, she's ready. Let me yep. show her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we have so the, we best par- the, the best partner we could ever have. It's like, can you just like <laughs> realize that you have a, th- th- there's nobody like, th- there's nothing else. Um, it so is st- amazing. So, okay. So now we have the C, we have the A. What's next? Calm. So the calm method, the C is connect to yourself. The A is ask for abundance. And then the L is listen for the answer. Mm. Because part of asking is then pausing and being open to seeing what he wants. Mm -hmm. So as I, like I told you before, when I asked to show me and people started coming for advice, I did not see the connection in the beginning. It really takes, it takes you to open your eyes and focus on the patterns and really stop because we are in so much noise and so much wheel spinning. We're constantly running out of things, you know, after things we have our kids, we have the food, we have this, we have that, we have our work, we have so much on our heads. So take, it takes pausing 
to listen to what happened today. It takes pausing to actually notice these patterns. It takes pausing to hear what is actually happening. Again, with the, you know, with the, I want to pass six figures. If I didn't stop and really see, oh my gosh, last week I asked, and then, you know, my friend sent me this link and then I signed up. And by the end of the week, I was already signed up for the program. And how did that happen? So If I didn't pause and think, I would be like, oh, it just happened because it happened. No, it was exactly what I asked for. And it was like really soon after, but you can miss it. You could totally miss it. And then you say, I asked and God didn't answer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What what do we do with the skeptics here? (laughs) Okay. So there's three, three answers that God gives. Yes. Not now. And I have something better for you. Mm -hmm. Either you get it because yes, finally you asked and I'm ready to give it to you. It's like, it's just, now I just need to spill it over and it's waiting there in the bucket. And now it's finally going down or not now is like, you're getting this. You are. It's just like not the right time, but I know you are. So just keep keep going, keep going, right? So yeah, and I, it's just I would about the that, timing. It, it, it's like you're getting this. You're just not ready yet. So keep the inner work. It's kind of like when you're you're like, why am I not finding the husband? Why I'm not finding the husband? And like, oh, I still needed to do that more work so that he would come into my life. Had I I wasn't right. there. I wasn't. able to receive that. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes it's just about timing, right? Like there was people who said, oh, I was waiting for my wife to grow up because she was still 18 when I was, or she was still 16 when I was whatever, 27. Like it, it just, sometimes it's just about timing, Yeah. but you're going to get it. You are going to get it. So, so just hang in there. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is I have something better for you. That's very different than no, Mm. God has something better for me. And I didn't get that thing I wanted, not because he said no, but because he is taking me to that better thing. He's guiding me to see that that thing I wanted wasn't really the best thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest one for people to deal with, to be honest. But it's so amazing because then you see the better and you're like, ah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you can only see this in hindsight. Mm -hmm. Really, what are you, how are you supposed to know that? that this husband was better than that guy I dated. Like now I can see it. I'm like, wow, God really saved me. Like what an amazing thing. I went out with so many guys and, you know, I finally married the exact, like everything I asked for and more, right. Mm -hmm. I asked for a rabbi. I got a big rabbi. I asked for my life to be like, you know, revolve around Torah. I got that like multiplied by a million. I am so grateful. I have so much and I'm, I'm wow. But I would never have been able to see that then because mm-hmm. I didn't have that then. Like there was, there's just, you can't, you can only live life forward. You can't yes. live it backwards. So right. you have to, that's when, it, that's where trust comes. That's where yeah, exactly. you have to really, really, really um, courageous to trust in God. Yeah. We want to control the house so badly, right? We, we mm. want to own all the pieces and it's like, let it go. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> so get yeah. clear, ask, listen. The M is for master a higher level of consciousness. Okay. Because what does it mean? We, we were just talking about this now, right? Like get really, really courageous about believing in God. Get really intentional about being on a higher level of consciousness where you're not blaming and shaming and being all like yicky, but higher levels of consciousness. And I signed up for a class in Mesilati Sharim 
um, how to say that in English, the something of the just, the, the path of the, the path of the just yes. like that. Yes, I guess. Um, with Rev Luzzato, he is, he has a 10 step program in this book, right. To raise your level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this a long, long time ago. It's not like everybody's talking about it nowadays, but there is a real system out there that raises your level of awareness that first you have to realize that there is a God and that he wants the best for you. And he wants your relationship with you. And then you start being more watchful because you actually realize that everything I do counts. And mm-hmm. one of the, one of the exercises we had to do was actually have a meal, one, even just a snack, just one time, sit down and actually act like you're in the King's presence. Mm. How would you sit? How would you eat? How would you act? How would you think? How would you, you know, what, what type of anything? Like, how would you dress? Like the entire experience was like, whoa. Right. So bringing awareness to the fact that there is higher consciousness. I'm on the way to higher consciousness. Maybe if I don't make it to 10, the fact that I'm on that path is already training my brain to think differently, to act differently, to react differently, to uh, believe different things. And it makes me more resilient. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to have more ability to connect to yourself, right? The second you're in a higher level of consciousness, then you start the whole cycle again. It's like, oh, so now I know what I want. And now I'm able to ask for it. Now I'm able to listen more. And now I'm able to be more with God. Now I'm doing everything from a different place. I'm not running my business because I'm doing it you know, to prove someone or to show off or to anything. I'm really doing it because this is what God wants. Mm-hmm. And so like you said, God is my partner. It gets very high level. Suddenly it's like, oh, I actually have a partner. He's mm-hmm. actually guiding me and he actually knows better. And I'm following what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. This is amazing. And you're speaking my language. And now we went all the way to the world of Atsilas, you and I were like up there, right? We're like, like, give me more of this, right? Let's bring it down to the person who's listening and saying, okay, this sounds great. And I can do that. But my husband is resentful. He's angry. He doesn't get why I have this passion. He doesn't get why I love to do my work. He doesn't get why. And we ju- we're not speaking the same language. How do we help her? So first thing is sign up for my retreat, January 17th. Um, I love that you said that we're up here and we're bringing it back down because the name of my, of my business is connected for real. Mm-hmm. And it's because that is my, when I was doing my questionnaire to 50 friends, I was like, what, is, what makes me different? Why are you mm-hmm. coming to me for advice? It was because you're so connected. I have this like, you know, straight up. Yeah. I have a connection with God that comes naturally to me. And that's one of the reasons why it was hard for me to charge is because this comes so easy. Like, you know, it's just part of my life. Um, and then, but I'm also very practical. You can't be yes. a pie in the sky, you know, like that's the first, int- the introduction to Masil Susharim is spiritual growth has to be grounded in reality. Of and course. if it's not, then it's not spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. So I love that you asked that question. When your husband is, by the way, in the retreat, we only get to husband on day three. Because we really first want to work on, you know, connect to yourself and then learn to ask. And by the time you connect it to yourself and connect it to God, believe me, your husband is your last problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. But we, we, we use him as an excuse because he's so easy, Mm -hmm. but 
on day three, what we do is we understand that my husband is really just a mirror for me to know what to do next, like how to grow. What do I need to fix? And really all the people around me, every situation is a mirror, except your husband is that mirror that shows you every pore, like that enlarging mirror. That's yeah. really annoying. You just want that to break. mirror, right. Yeah. So that's you every, every wrinkle, <laughs> every wrinkle, every pore, every little, uh, and, and you don't like that. You don't like that. And that's why we, we're, we have a harder time dealing with our husbands than, than we have with friends or that we have with coworkers or that we have with, you know, whatever clients. Because God designed it that way for him to be the closest to you and the most enlarging. That's where you can grow the most. And if you're here for an inner transformation, then you should embrace your husband and be like, thank you for being so annoying. <laughs> right? Yeah. Thank you for getting on my nerves. And thank you for pointing out every single flaw I have all at once so that I really get annoyed with you know, how you're doing this, it was designed that way. So we learn and, you know, I have a mastermind and I teach my, my, my friends, because <laughs> I love my, my people or my friends, we go through how to deal with these situations to a point where you're no longer reacting as if this is personal or annoying or whatever, but really just turning it around being like, what does God want me to say? To, mm -hmm. Like, what am I being taught right now? What is it that what's the message here? Right? So I had one client who said her husband was screaming at her in the middle of the street. And they're at the park, like walking and talking. And she just sat herself down on the on the on the bench and started saying, Hashem, what am I meant to be learning from this? And she mm. started taking deep breaths. And he's like, you're crazy. You're crazy. Don't you see people are going to look at you? You're getting crazy. What is this? What are you doing? Right. And he got really, really angry. Like not only was he screaming at her about the thing they were dealing with, but now she just stopped everything and started focusing, like really grounded her feet, took a deep breath and said, Hashem, I want to know what am I meant to learn from this? And he's like, what do you think people are going to think? You're crazy. And like, it really, when you think about it, he's the one that's making a scene. He's the Obviously. crazy, right? But like, she's like, and that's okay. And that's okay. Cause he's not me. I'm not him. It's fine. If people think he's crazy, it's fine. If people think I'm crazy, but I am not willing to continue fighting back and forth to have this like bickery discussion, right? When we were in New York, right before Corona, I took my family for a month in New York. We had some speaking engagements and my husband uh, had just written his book about the Haggadah. And so we, he had his thing and it was really, really fun. We went on the subway and coming home, there was a subway that came and it was the wrong number. Mm. It was like going to go somewhere else. So I told all the kids, stay back, stay back. Don't go on. We, this is not where we need to go. And the doors open, stays clear of the closing door. <laughs> close, the doors close and then it leaves. And right after him came the number we actually needed and the doors open. And I was like, okay, guys, get in. And everybody gets in. We make sure everybody's in. And then I, I turned to them and I said, did you see what we just did? And they're like, what <laughs> we got on a train <laughs> I was like we didn't get on the wrong train there was a train it opened its doors it wasn't going to where we wanted to go so we didn't get on it and then when the next train came that was going where we wanted so we got on the train isn't that amazing? We get a choice we can choose if to get on that train so my husband could come and say you know 
for the 17th time, why didn't you pick up the clothes on the floor, which by the way, just happened to me half an hour ago before our call is like, how many times do I have to tell you that the, the floor is full of clothes? The kids just took everything out of their drawers and I was meant to put it back. And he asked me to put it back many times and I did mean to put it back. I'm a really nice person, but I got distracted and I have a sick baby and I have my kids and this and that and whatever. And I forgot. So I was like, thank you for reminding me. I'm going to do right now. I could have very easily, believe me, I definitely have the capabilities of being like, why do you always pick on me? Don't you see I'm in the middle of nursing? And when was I supposed to do this? And how do you think I am? And do I have eight hands and blah, 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 right? I could go on and on and on, but it's a choice. Do I really get on that train? Is that really the train I want to go on? So we have a lot of control over which trains we get on. We just have to really slow down. Hmm. We have to learn to pause. We have to learn to take a deep breath. We have to just turn on that connection, right? Because when you fall down and get into that, on that train, you could definitely get off, right? It's not like you're stuck there forever. The doors open and close all the time. So bringing awareness, noticing that maybe this isn't where I want to go. Maybe he's not saying it because I'm wrong. Maybe he just had a hard day. Maybe he's really right. And he wants the floor clear, right? All the clothes are clean. It's not like he wants to start doing laundry all over again, by the way, because my husband is the one who does the laundry. Um, and I'm not afraid to say it now, but I used to be, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a big deal anymore. Like things don't dramatize when you don't make it a big deal. So and then, the- mm-hmm. yeah, the other part of what you said, um, which is how do I deal with the fact that we don't talk the same language? is that once you start talking that, that language with yourself, like once you, you take responsibility, then it rubs off on everyone. Mm-hmm. And one of the things in my program, because my program is a year-long mastermind, and I tell them the first three months, you're going to get a lot of like, what is this? Will you pay so much money? She's just telling you blah, 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 right? You're going to get all that. It's totally normal because the husbands are like, somebody's changing the the step over here. Right. And by six months, they're all in. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, teach me more. And it was actually really fun when one of the women came to one of the court calls and said, my husband just took my entire notebook and is reading it from cover to cover because it's all the notes I've been taking for the last six months. And he finally figured out that it was worth, worth something that mm-hmm. it's valuable. Yeah. 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 I have the same thing with my students. Like they didn't want me to sign up for your program. He really didn't want to do it. And now, oh my gosh, is he into it? <laughs> right. And also, you know, my, the husbands love me because I take them off the hook. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do anything. It's not, you're, you're fine. You know, one of the biggest things that one of the worst things that you can do to a husband is take him by the ear and say, we need therapy. You come with me right now. Mm. And you're like, Oh, what did I do wrong? And then they feel like they're in the principal's office and they get really defensive and their ego is like totally all over the place. Leave mm. him alone, leave him alone. Men learn differently. They, they absorb differently. Yeah. They don't need you to tell them what to do. They need you to just do it. Do you know, it's so part. funny you said that because it's almost like that's probably even worse than the fact that you're making more money, like in terms of his ego. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, so, so actually, let's go back to the money piece. Like is, 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 how do we reconcile this, this idea that the men 
traditionally wants to feel like the one who brings the money. I mean, I know plenty of very confident men that are so, so okay with that not being the case. Like they're so happy with their wives shining and thriving. And if that means more money in the bank account, the more power to you, my dear wife, like go for it. What can I do to help? Um, But perhaps that's not the case for other men. Good. So then the question is, who gives the money? Like, where does money come from? Mm-hmm. Because if we're talking, my husband is the breadwinner or I'm the breadwinner, you know, right? My farnace, my husband is the one who brings in the money. Then, then he, you know, it's, it's his money. Uh, he did it. And if I'm the one who brings in the money, then I did it. But really, where is the money coming from? Right. It, go, it all goes back to that God consciousness, period. Of course. That's, and it, and, that's, yeah. And of you course. get why it was so hard for me to come in, in the open because it's so weird. It's very weird for, especially for a teenager, right? Like mm-hmm. I had to grow into myself because anytime I would say it's all from God, they'd be like, oh, it's her again, right? But like, it really is all from God. When you have that God consciousness, that money is coming, it doesn't matter if it's coming through the door or through the window, you are being taken care of because God loves you. And it doesn't matter if you're making money or not making money. If you're doing your work and you're actually helping people and changing the world, the money will come, right? Mm -hmm. It's all surrounds around that. So your husband wants to make the money. So just pray, God, you know, I don't, I don't care if it doesn't come from me, send him some, some work, whatever. Right. Like for a long time, I was praying that people would hire my husband just so he could have work. So I wouldn't feel so bad about myself. Hmm. And he wouldn't like anytime I asked (laughs) specifically, nobody would call because God was trying to tell me like, no, you got to do it, girl. Like, I don't care. It just has to come from you. And I was like, oh, But if it could come from anywhere, why does it have to be me? Like, why do I have to deal with this ego thing, whatever? But it was in order to grow me and to make me realize that it really doesn't matter. Right, right. So let's go to your own marriage. And how do you and your husband um, manage your money? And, you know, how has that evolved over time? Um, Take us to maybe some of the sticking points and how you've resolved them. And how, how does it happen now? So my husband is still in charge. I, I say that, you know, it's their, it's the husband's responsibility to, to quote unquote, support the family. Mm-hmm. Right? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like in, in the Ketubah in, in Halakha, you get married, your husband signed a contract that he is going to support and, and clothe you and feed you and do all these things for you. Right. So in in the actual halacha, it's his responsibility. It's not sitting on my shoulders. It's, mm-hmm. It should be sitting on his. So I make sure that it's still his. So um. whatever money, whatever money comes in is ours. There's no like, you know, I don't know what. Um, there is actually a separate bank account, but that's because I finally opened one when I opened my business because I didn't want it to get muggy with like business money and, of course. and personal money. So I'm very proud of myself that I actually opened that separate account and have money going in there. And then I transfer half of that into Your the salary. Right. right. And then I leave, I leave the half for whatever it needs to be in the business. And then, and then I add another 10%. Like I basically transfer 60. So 10% for tzedakah and then 50% for, for salary. And 
And then it's in the family account. My husband is in charge of giving tzedakah. I am not in charge of it. Mm. So I could tell him what's important to me. And we talk about it all the time. Like if you had all the money in the world, what would you do with it? And I know that's one of the questions you ask. So we, we're very on the same lines with what we like to give tzedakah to, but it is completely his, which means that when people come to the door, I say, if my husband's not home, make sure to find him. He's in the kolal. He, he will give you, but I, I am not touching that. Like that's not mine. And when there's stress around money, it's his problem. Mm. So I can, I can pray for it. I can try to do my best to maybe bring in more clients. I can, whatever, you know, you tell me what to do. I really give it up to him because it's not my stress, not, not on my shoulders. I'm just working here. Right. <laughs> so of course it's God's, you know, if, if I'm partner with God, and God made me partner with him. So we're all working together. So why not give him that responsibility? It's really his. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he stresses over it and then it's fine. And then it all works out because he has a good connection with God too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it really is. And anytime I stress over it, it stops everything. Hmm. Like to the point where he tells me, stop stressing because we won't have any money. Mm. So I feel like that, you know, that works for us. I feel it's very unique for every person and every couple. Um, I am the one who likes to budget. He doesn't like, he has everything in his head. He is a walking computer. When I, when I was looking into him for, you know, they, the rabbi called and asked if I wanted to go out with him, whatever. Um, so he happens to go to the same yeshiva as my brother. And so we called my brother and said, do you know this guy, Avi Grossman? And my brother says, yeah, of course, he's a walking computer. <laughs> and it really is like that. I just told you, right? He's in research. He answers everybody's question. You ask him where something is, he'll tell you. And he'll tell right. you three different places where he brings it up, da, 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 right? So he knows it all in his head. He can go shopping without a calculator and tell the lady how much is going to come out before she tells him. And he's off by maybe two, three shekels. Yeah. Sounds like my husband. (laughs) Yeah. So he has it all in his head. He budgeted, he knows whatever. When I try to take over and budget and do whatever it is, you know, like make it more organized because I need that. Then I do it, but it's not necessary. Like I feel like he really has it under control. I do it just because I want to know. I, I'm interested in knowing where things are, what's going on, how many percentages and what, da, 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 right? But it's, it's really, that's what's working for us. Mm. Do you sit and talk about this stuff regularly? Yes. Mm. Yeah, we do. We will, you know, he'll show me, like he'll open up the, the credit card things or whatever. He'll tell me like which credit card to use, use American money, use Israeli money, because we have the different credit cards. Um, he likes when things are credit card, by the way, because then he actually sees it and is mm. able to ask me about it. So we, we talk about it regularly. It's not amazing. Not amazing. Right. What you talk about growing up and your, your parents home um, seems like a you know, rabbinical family, traditional roles where your mother wasn't necessarily, you know, making the money your, and your father well, was they were both teachers. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. What, what take us to that, uh, your upbringing in terms of some of the financial lessons that you may have learned and perhaps some of them 
you, they, they served you and you stuck with them. And perhaps some of them you had to let go because you realize as an adult, they don't serve you. But tell, to tell us, take us to some of those pivotal lessons that you feel like you, that really shaped, that shaped you for good or not so good. So the first thing that comes up is the matzah story. My, my father, uh, my father said, clean up the couches downstairs, clean up the couches downstairs. We had this, like what we call the funky room because there was a living room downstairs for the kids. So we Mm -hmm. put couches and we used to hang out there. It was cute. We had a library Um, and the couches always had friends and people were always sitting around. So my father like told us for a couple of weeks, like Pesach is coming, clean up the couches, open up everything, clean it out. And we didn't do it. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, and that's why I didn't clean up today, the, the clothes. <laughs> um, so we didn't do it. We, we didn't get around to it, whatever. And then my father goes downstairs, is, you know, soon before Pesach, and he had this project to do. So he just did it. He opened, took off all the couches and the cushions and whatever and started sweeping under with his hand and collecting. And he said, do you guys know how much money I found under the couches? exactly 37 and a half dollars which was exactly the amount i needed for matzah right and he was so proud of himself that he didn't know how he put in the order of how much matzah we need and he had no idea how he was going to pay for it but then he found the money under the couches Hmm. so so that made me realize that god is always taking care of us um it also made me realize that my father has no idea where the money is going (laughs) 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 which uh as i said was growing up was you know slightly uncomfortable but now as an adult i realized that they were not poor they were just very frugal Mm. they were very frugal they were very responsible when there was times that we needed to splurge we always had the money to splurge um they always saved for flying to israel because that was such a huge important part of our life So they would save up all year and not spend on extra things so that we can have enough money to send all of us, you know, like to fly six people to Israel. You know, it's a big deal. So there was definitely priorities and there was definitely saving and investing and all this other stuff that they did. But as a kid, you don't, we don't realize, you don't, you know. Right, right, right. You don't appreciate it. All right, let's wrap this amazingly beautiful conversation with what I know that you know, I like to call Jewish money matters, fill in the blanks. And so I'm going to give you um, an open ended sentence and you'll finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Okay, let's do it. All right. When I give my sir or tzedakah, I like to give to? I like to give to Torah learning, Torah study, and creating jobs. Mm, nice. Those are my two favorite things. Nice. I'd like to make more money because? Because then I can show other women that it's possible. Yeah. We need more models, right? We need yes. more models for our daughters. <laughs> Something I wish I'd learn. And, 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 and I say that in healthy models, the models of where the, the marriage works and your professional ambitions work and it all flows and, and, and there's God in your life. And it's like this beautiful partnership on all levels with your spouse, between spouse and with your husband and wife and with God involved. Um, you know, I, my mastermind is called the marriage mastermind. And mm-hmm. the tagline is for extra, an 
uh, no way, an integrated life for extraordinary women. Mm-hmm. Because that's really what it's all about. That's, you know, like you said, our daughters have to learn that it's totally possible to integrate every single thing you want to do into your life. And I just had my seventh baby and people are like, how do you do it? I don't know how I do it. It's a priority in my life. So it worked, right? Like I'm doing it for God. So God is showing me what, what's what, and there's rhythms and there's seasons in life, but it all works. Yeah. Yeah, definitely all works if we have, if we lean on the best partner going back to that God consciousness, right? Something I wish I'd learn about money growing up is mm, something I wish learn, I learned about money. I think the actual how to invest, because I knew investing was worth it. I knew that your money will multiply if you put it in early enough and fast enough. Yeah. I just didn't do it because nobody told me how. Right. So I think it was very, there was like a disconnect between what you know and what you wish you would do and then how you do it and what do you do with it now? Right, right, right. So I feel like, I lost out because I didn't actually have the know-how, but I knew it was a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. I definitely knew about it. It wasn't like I was living under a rock. I knew it was a good thing to invest and that your money will, you know, get rebeat, the, the rebeat, you know, interest of, over the interest over the, and it would grow. But Tachlis, I didn't, I don't, you know. Nobody, nobody taught the mechanics, right? Yeah, there's right. such, it's, it's such an important point. Again, going back to the modeling, we also have to model that for our, both our boys and our girls. <laughs> Money, spiritual or physical? Mm, both. Um, it's, Some, I mean, it's physically there, but it's very much part of the spiritual life. Some, um, something I splurge on unapologetically is. Ooh, dark chocolate. I just got myself 90% chocolate. No, I'm the same way. <laughs> 90%. I, I was at the store. Usually I get the 70%. I was yeah. at the store and they had a sale for the 90%. I was like, I wonder what this tastes like. And I thought it was going to be like, ooh, you know, too much. No, it's even better. <laughs> I know. You know, we can't find it here. So high, such a high percentage. It's very hard to find. And so whenever my husband goes to Israel, he brings back to me and my kids are like, like, what? And I'm like, yum. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And then you eat it with some walnuts or almonds and it's like a whole feast. Yeah. 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 Um, Batchen Grossman, spend, Rebetzin Batchen Grossman, um, spender or saver? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, transitioning here because mm. I always was a, sp- a saver and now I'm learning to spend. Interesting. Uh, I, I was very much a saver. I'd never spend in anything, especially not on myself because, you know, it's just not what a mother does. <laughs> it's wow. not what a, it's not what you do. I think that goes back to your question, by the way, about, you know, how I grew up. Save, 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 save. So I was very much a saver. That's also how we got the house. Like we were just saving for years and years and years. And now I'm slowly learning to spend. Wow. Today I'm most grateful for. Ah, <sighs> Today I am most grateful for being interviewed on Mm -hmm. your podcast i'm really grateful that it's raining you know a lot of people say like oh it's icky it's rainy outside so beautiful it's such Mm -hmm. a it really freshens up the air and it's it's blessing 
and yeah. beautiful. It's abundant. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, I'm Rabbitson Batchen Grossman, and I believe Jewish money matters because? Because that connection between the spiritual and reality is so important. And if you're disconnected, then you're really disconnected. Batchen, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. Tell us where we can find you. Tell us about this retreat for any of the women listening who might want to be interested in signing up. Okay, so you can find me Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, everywhere at Connected For Real and ConnectedForReal.com for my podcast. And my retreat is ConnectedForReal.com slash retreat. And when is that happening? It's happening January 17th. It's a seven day retreat where we take off for Friday and Saturday. So it's four days where I teach the calm method, the four letters of the calm method. And then the three days after Shabbos is intimacy, how to create, design the atmosphere in your home, and then bringing it all together. So it's really powerful. It's amazing. This is going to be the fourth time I do this marriage breakthrough retreat. And it's absolutely amazing. Like people are saying it's epic. So I'm very, very happy because I knew it. I knew it was going to be amazing. But then when it actually happened, it was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> it sounds sounds amazing. Tell us, tell us again what the link is. Connectedforreal.com slash retreat. If you sign up and you can't show up live, there are the recordings. It's great. Beautiful. Thank you so much for everything you're doing and for this wonderful conversation. Thank you. I loved it. Thanks to Rebetzin Barchen Grossman for stopping by. You can find her on Instagram at Connected for Real. And her podcast is at ConnectedForReal.com as well as on every podcast player. If you want to register for her seven-day retreat, head over to ConnectedForReal.com forward slash retreat. It sounds like a wonderful opportunity and I encourage all of you in business and marriage to join her. I want to thank you for all the emails and the DMs wishing me a speedy recovery. As you can hear from my voice, probably I'm 99% there still a little congested and tired but definitely grateful that my close encounter with covid wasn't too bad and in fact that's why if you didn't know that's why we didn't produce last friday's ask yell episode because i was under the weather big time Uh, but i hope to be back with you this week with all your money questions on friday you can keep sending those via email at yael at jewishlatinprincess.com or dm me on instagram at yael trush i also want to thank you my audience for being here i know your time is so precious and i appreciate that you spend it with me on the show if you enjoyed this episode please leave a review and rating on itunes that is the best way for you to help the show and a big big announcement i will be with you from january 10th to the 14th in my five five-day retreat. I'm ready. Are you ready? Because I'm ready. (laughs) And I hope you are. This is a free five-day experience where I'll help you discover the Jewish money secrets that will make you richer. Yes, richer, bold, caps, letter, in every sense of the word. If you've been wanting someone to finally talk to you about money like a Jew and teach you what is a Jewish way when it comes to money and guide you to create your richest life, well, how do we do that? I'm going to teach you. You want to be there. If you're really ready for a rich life, and I hope you are, then head over to yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat to register. That's yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat to register for the I'm Ready five-day experience with me, Yael Trush. You don't want to miss it. Have a wonderful week.